and welcome to A Burkout Wonderland, uh, an Arsenal podcast. Uh, today we have changed, uh, well, a bit like last week, where we've gone with purely naming our podcasts from the reactionary uh, AFTV machine, uh, as you can see from the... Uh, one Get we put out last week. Right. Exactly, exactly. When is enough enough is the one that Danny has picked from this has come out of the machine uh, from the emergency podcast there. And I should introduce the people who will be going through this to say uh, my brother from another mother. Uh, first, the man on the buttons. It is Danny, the GFP. Say hello, Danny. We don't have, do we have the same mum. I don't think so. Brother from another mother. Are you? Uh, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's true. Yes, because yeah. I'm now officially Greek. I have become a flag emoji wanker and got all of them, the eight highest percentages in my DNA results. I've put them all on my Twitter bio because I'm a flag wanker like the rest of you. I think someone called you a hippopotamus and you misunderstood. But uh, anyway. I thought that was an odd, an odd angle. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, also joined by, well, he's interrupted already. We'll go with Stokes next. How's it going, Stokes? All good, all good. Lovely to be here with you fine gentlemen as always. I mean, haven't we got the best game to talk about off the back of... Uh, it's going to be a right barrel of laughs. Absolutely. And completing the quartet, uh, one less than Arsenal managed to concede last week, is John. John, how's it going? Um, I'm good. I've, I've just seen, I was just scrolling through my Twitter, as you do, whilst we're doing this, <laughs> see if there's any exciting news or anything. Um I clearly need to clean up my timeline because there's lots of Arsenal news and then all of a sudden Pornhub winners MILF mania. So I think that's another possible title for the show that might give us more viewers. I don't know if that's more clickbaity than um, is, a, is enough enough. When is enough enough? Yeah. Well, I think emergency podcast kind of tipped the uh, balance on clickbait clickbaity uh, podcast names, but we know Chris isn't listening, so he won't hear this. Uh, these insults. Barely He's too busy. How did, how did you describe what Chris is doing, James? Once he heard uh, news about Gwen He sat in some dingy room in uh, Plymouth and frantically covering it in frothy ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the pod, frothy ejaculate, okay. live from Plymouth. <laughs> Just lots, lots of fevered gestures and frantic wanging. All over his silk bed sheets. <laughs> and it's, Winnie, it's not Winnie the Pooh, it's Rupert the Bear Trousers. <laughs> Fever jesters and, and frantic wanking live from Plymouth sounds like an amazing like punk band's like first recording actually. So that actually might be a better title. I was going to say that or Winnie the Pooh's trousers. Famously, he doesn't have any. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I oh, they'd, they'd, they'd be like a you know like an alt rock sort of indie vibe kind of thing. Yeah, shoegazing. Definitely. I'm Chris Carpenter, and this is my band Fever Jerk. <laughs> Can you tell we don't want to talk about the Man City game? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, so I suppose, where do we start on the Man City game? Um, John, I think you're going to give the most balanced view compared to the emergency podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, far away on that one. Uh, obviously, we, we lost 5-0 and um, some Swiss gentleman um, had a brain fart. Yeah, um, right. Losing 5-0 to Man City is not necessarily embarrassing. They're good enough that they can do it to probably like 80-90% of the teams in the league or something stupid like that if they want on a day. The fact is it was embarrassing because they did the old cliche didn't get out of second gear thing. 
Um, the when someone said to me because I hadn't seen the lineup. We're playing three at the back. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Why didn't we do that against Chelsea? And then I saw the three at the back and went, oh, fuck. It's probably why we didn't do it against Chelsea. Um, I don't remember ever seeing Chambers holding and Kalasinic as a back three before. Um, Cedric playing at right wing back just highlighted yet again that clearly Bellerin wasn't wanted and as we'll go on to talk about, obviously did go out of the club in the end on loan. Um Chambers had a horrendous time there previously. Uh, the fact that we had to play Kalasinic, what does that say about Pablo Marie? Um, I mean, ignoring that part of it, the defence, which is obviously very important when you're playing Man City, <laughs> the midfield makeup was really weird as well. Um, I get that he wanted to put Erdegaard in the team, and I'm not necessarily against that, but why you decided to play him as the centre mid next to Granit Xhaka was slightly weird. You could have, if you said, oh, we're playing four at the back and Xhaka and El Nelly are playing, then you might have gone, okay, maybe I would have liked to see Laconga because he's been quite good, but El Nelly's a bit safer and just going to try and keep things neat and tidy and not be too adventurous, maybe makes sense. Um, but the fact he put Erdegaard there was bizarre. Um, just the whole game was just garbage, like from the, the way we defended set pieces, the shape of the team, there is clearly no understanding between those three players playing centre-back and the goalkeeper. They look completely out of sorts. Cedric kept his consistency of basically doing nothing in a game, um, which is quite impressive. And as usual, I ended up leaving the game feeling really sorry for Smith, Rowe, Saka and Tierney as the only three who seemed to put any effort in. Um, Xhaka did his stupid thing that he did and got himself sent off tend to agree with, I know I'm in the minority that I thought the red card was a little bit harsh, but I know to the letter of the law, it is a red card, but um, I, I have it down as like a, cause I had the indignity <clears throat> of not seeing, well, the fortunateness of not seeing the game live mm. and then deciding to go and watch the entire thing back a few days later. And obviously since then we had the Pogba incident uh, yeah. against Wolves, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I think I had it down as an orange card, but I think the biggest gripe I'd have is it's inconsistent. I don't yeah. mind if Granit Xhaka gets a red card, if Pogba gets a red card as well. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of those things where I think it was Arsblog summed it up really well because mm. Gunnarblog was basically saying, maybe it's not a red, but I can see why it's given. He's saying, but he probably gets a red because he's Granit Xhaka. And as Arsblog mm. put it, Andrew put it brilliantly, he said, that's why he shouldn't make those tackles because he is Xhaka because the referee is going to look, as he did in the game, where he looked like he was getting his yellow card out, looked up and went, oh, it's granite. Oh, no, 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 hang on, that's a red card, definitely. And it, Now, whether that's what changed his mind, I don't know. Maybe someone said something in his ear. Um, but it was just a stupid decision. And like For me, there's no point analysing the game. City were comfortably better than us. I think it was a game we all knew we were going to lose. We were hoping maybe it'd be like 2-0, or maybe we nick a goal when it's 3-1 or something like that. Um, it's just the way we lost the game. The my my balance for it, so my pro Arteta bit that everyone always waits for apparently at the moment because I'm the only pro Arteta person going, it seems. Um, I think it was a desperate plea to the club of get me some fucking players. Look at the shit I have to put out on the pitch. Please get some deals done. Because um, I cannot believe for one minute that he wanted to play Kalasinac in this game. Um, and the fact that he picked him over Marie, you know, just things like that and like, oh, I'm going to play this other guy, Cedric, who we clearly don't want as well. You know, I'm going to put him in the game. Um, not saying Bellerin would have done better there or Chambers. 
you know, maybe he could have done things different and played Tavares as left wing back and Tierney as a left centre back and that kind of thing. But I, I don't think it overall it changes the result, um, regardless of who's out there. We might do better if you've got Partey and everyone's fully fit, you know, and you've got a full squad to choose from. Um, I still think ultimately you're going to lose the game. I just, for me, it just shows the massive gulf that people don't seem to notice between Arsenal and Man City right now. We're nowhere near the top four and we're even further away from Man City, who them and Chelsea in particular are miles above every other team in the league for me right now. Yeah, James, what do you reckon to the to the game? Um, anything you kind of add on top of what John's already said? I mean, it's difficult to put anything positive on it. Um, I didn't uh, watch it. I watched highlights here and there. I've seen probably 40% of it. I did contemplate at one point sitting down and watching it in its entirety, but I thought, nah, I ain't put myself through that. <sighs> it's very difficult to analyze it because I think deep down we all knew that was coming and it's not the defeat, which is of any issue for me. It's the manner of which we lost. You look at that team and you think to yourself, well, that's a team that is from top to bottom is going into that game afraid and just under the assumption that they're going to lose. And you can see it from excluding the first four minutes when there was a lot of like a little bit of brightness to the play. After that, the minute the first goal went in, it was just, ah, fuck it, let's down tools and everyone just sort of stopped caring. I sort of, my problem with the team selection is that as bad as Pablo Maria has been, he's still better than Kolasinac. As bad as Cedric, uh, Maitland-Niles is still better than Cedric. And why play him? It doesn't really, you know, send out any messages other than he's picking players that he shouldn't be picking. And he's picking players that if you were to ask him, I'd operate under the assumption that he would tell you that the ones he's left out are better than the ones he's playing. So it just strikes me as this, like, exercise in futility or some sort of, you know, banal and insipid manner to make a point to the board. Granted, we've bought a right fullback, and that right fullback looks pretty decent. He might strengthen the team, but I like, like I said, I, I, when it comes to Arteta, I'm somewhere sixty percent out, forty percent in. I like him. I like what he says. I like that the players seem to, you know, to be keen to move with what he says. But I'm yet to see anything from him that makes me think he's any better than Emery was. I mean, we, we got to an FA Cup and we won it. Great. But, you know, sometimes the role, the dice favours you in certain roles. And we got there and we won it. It was great. But after that, is he an improvement on Emery? I don't think he is. In fact, I think in some respects he's worse. I think he's inexperienced. And I don't think he's got much chance of coming back because he's teetering on the precipice now. And I don't... Somebody put it on, I can't remember where I heard this because I was listening to some podcast, but it was a very good point, I thought, that can any of you think of a time where a manager had gotten this bad or a set of results, had sort of managed to give us our worst finish to a season, and on top of that, our worst start to a season, had been under this much pressure. Can you think of an example where anyone's actually come back from that? Because no, I it's, it's, it's that thing of where you, you get to a certain point as a manager yeah. at a club where you're constantly just one game away from, oh, everyone's hounding him to get sacked again. 
He's and I think, yeah, he could do that thing where he could go on a run of like 10 games unbeaten, win I don't know, eight or something, get two draws. But the moment another bad loss comes in, they're all on his back again. So I, I think, think, he, I think yeah. he's, he's done and it's only a matter of time now. It's the um, the only one I can think of is is Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, yeah United, but we're talking about you know a manager that at least he had experience at that point. He'd already been at Aberdeen mm. uh, and coached before he got to Man United. So at least he had some answers in theory in his locker. It's uh, not as you know, it's yeah. not as intense the pressure then as opposed mm. to now, is it? I mean, now yeah. it's just like every single minute quality or uh, you know perceived dispersion is just like. Inflated, inflated tenfold so you can't so much as fart 200 yards down the road without it being on you know Arsenal fan TV like Lee judges ranting about Arteta farting in the street or something like that <laughs> yeah and I think that's one of the things that also doesn't help is any kind of micro issue that may happen does get completely covered um, and even if it's not even an issue I think we've seen today uh, Gary Neville, Danny Mills uh, can keep going on of people who are going, what's Arsenal's transfer strategy? And I think we'll go into it that it's pretty fucking obvious. What yeah, I was going to say, was. if there's one thing I think Arteta has done and the higher level board members have done really well, they've identified young players, talented young players with the potential to improve and they've brought them all in at the same time so they can improve together. If you're going to make you know, remarks about his perceived failings. So you've got to give him credit for what he, he perceives to have done well. And I think that, you know, recruitment-wise, is actually a really positive thing. Yeah, that's where I stick with your kind of uh, 60-40 for where I'm with Arteta. I was kind of 50-50. Uh, I would say after the City game, there were a couple of decisions that he did make within the game that did start to put me towards what is he doing? I don't really understand what's going on mainly from the third goal that we conceded. I mean, the, uh, line, I the line-up, you yeah. see it and you think... Uh, the line-up's, the line-up's odd. fucking sure. baffling, isn't it? Um, I think one of the big things, you could see why Jacker was in there. He was the guy that was starting the press uh, whilst he was there because obviously he's the most aggressive player that we've got. Uh, but as soon as he gets sent off, he decides not to drop anybody into that same position. Edison sees that space because nobody's dropped in, plays the ball straight through the middle and that's how we concede our third. And... I know being 2-0 down against Man City, chances are you're probably not turning that around. But that's absolute, you know, schoolboy, someone should see that from a coaching staff point of view, that someone's got to go, hang on, it's a big old hole in the middle of our midfield. And then he doesn't sort that out until half-time when Elneny comes on. So for me, I think it's starting, the worm is starting to turn for Arteta. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily... Yeah, I still think the work that, as you say, James, the, the work he has done on recruitment, which I think we'll go into um, next, has been better than I would say any of the managers we've had at the club. Well, certainly pre-Wenger, and I would say the last 10 years of Wenger as well. The recruitment at this club in the last couple of seasons has been more or less perfect from an Arsenal point of view anyway, you know, because we've seen some shit transfer windows in our times. Close I, I would say that the best signing we've made in the last 10 years is Sanchez by a mile. Mm. Yeah, I would agree that at that point, excellent signing in terms of just a single one, but in terms of joined up thinking that we've got. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think we're at the best time. So, Danny, I will throw to you to just go through. As the man with the databases, uh, <laughs> talk us through the incomings that we've had from the first team. Now that the transfer window has slammed shut, uh, if you slam windows, I'm can not I, sure can you I do. plagiarise the JC Jimbo and the Totally Football podcast of uh, mm. a few stats? You can. The first time in 67 years that Arsenal have lost the first three games of the season. First time in 68 years that Arsenal have not scored in the first three games, league games of the season. This is all for their lowest possession percentage Arsenal have ever had since Opta started recording in 2003. And the lowest shots per game since Opta started in 2003. Rodri completed more outfield passes than every Arsenal player combined in that game. Arsenal are currently the worst metric in every department than Derby County in 2007-8, who got relegated with 11 points that season. And overall, top flight starts to a season where the fourth worst ever. Because uh, Man City had minus 13, Notts County minus 10, West Brom, West Ham minus 10, and we're level with Man City. Well, Man City have had the worst and the fourth worst. That's nice to know. That gives you something to aim for. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you wanted to know about the, uh, the the players that have come in and out. As long as you don't, you let me know this beforehand. But luckily, I'm, I'm a wizard with the mouse. Oh. So uh, we've had 17 players leave the club. We've had uh, Alex, the runner, the Gunner Gunnarsson, who's gone to Belgium. Jonathan Din, Din Jonathan something has gone to Carlisle. Bellerin has gone to Betis. I think that'll be all right for him there. Nice slow league for him now that all the decent players have fucked off from Spain. Reese Nelson have gone to Feyenoord. Probably the third best team in the Dutch league. Because uh, Ajax are first, and them and PSV are probably the second best. Uh, Miguel Aziz, surprising move that going to Portsmouth of League One. They're a team that are on the up, but I thought he'd have stuck around because uh, you might come onto it later about when it comes to the in January, when if players have left the club and others have gone to the the African Cup of Nations, who are going to play in midfield? Lucas Torreira talking of midfielders, he's buggered off, gone to Fiorentina, which is a good move. Uh, Jordi Uso Tutu gone on loan to Nottingham Forest Harry Clark Ross County he was in the Scottish Premier League team of the, the week last week for a brilliant uh, display John Jules again another loan Blackpool in the Championship it's nice to see him playing at a higher level Tom Smith who was on the, the subs bench for the FA no, that's not him that's a goalkeeper I'm thinking of the other Smith uh, Tom Smith a goalkeeper who's got no future in football he's gone to the conference Dijan Iliev Jesus sorry Tom if you're watching Dijan Iliev 26 still going out on loan he needs to reconsider he's, he's 26 yeah shit I thought he was still a kid yeah, I think that's what we all think. He's, he's only 22. He's in about on loan again for about his eighth loan. <laughs> Nick, Nicola Moller has made a strange move to Victoria Cologne in Germany in the third tier. When I looked the other day, they'd played six, drawn one and lost five, and he hasn't scored a goal. But he's only 18. Matt Smith is the one I'm on about. He's gone to Doncaster in League One, which is a good move. He was on the bench for the FA Cup final. And so he's got a winner's medal, which I was talking before the show. He's got more winner's medals than Nasri did. Sad hmm. times. Uh, some hey, Harry Kane. <laughs> 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 Big Willie Saliba is doing wonderful things for Marseille. So is oh, Matteo we, we just need to pour one out for our colleague in Plymouth. Uh, oh, a moment, William Saliba. He's yeah. drowning in his own fluids as we speak. Chris, Chris, if you're listening to this, just turn on the YouTube video and just look into my eyes. <laughs> Peak vinegar strokes. 
Uh, <laughs> he's, he's going around like Edward Elizabeth Hitler when he had a wellies full of custard in bottom. <laughs> he always his underpants were full of custard. I think his underpants. Uh, Mavropanos has gone to Stuttgart. Daniel Ballard has gone to Millwall in the Championship. Another really good loan. And then players that have fucked off. William fucked off Brazil. Willock fucked off up north. Uh, Taji Bolaf gone to Rotherham. Ugh, horrible place. Uh, Kieran Petrie, Swansea, horrible place. Daniel, someone gone to Brentford. That's not a bad move. Ben Sheaf, Coventry, another shithole. Uh, we've let a couple of the young men go Langalowu and Shra. S R A H A. Oh, he's, gone, he's joined Barnsley afterwards and Lang's joined West Ham. David Louise, he's gone, but it looks like as he's not joined anyone, he's got MLS written all over him, hasn't he? Aaron Ben, Watford, Luke Plange, Minge to his mates, has gone to Derby. Luke Plange? <laughs> yeah. What a fabulous name. You're <laughs> fucking making these up now. <laughs> 17-year-old striker's gone to Derby on a free. There again, Derby. Oh, I could get a game for Derby at the moment. They've got, they've got no players. Trey Cold has gone to Switzerland. Zek Medley, which is a surprise, he's gone to Belgium. And finally, Mark McGuinness, which is the one I had big hopes for him, 19-year-old uh, Irish centre-back. He's gone to Cardiff, another shithole. So, yeah, 17 players out on loan. 16 is there players anywhere in the UK up. that you like, like that isn't classed as a shithole? I mean, I'm, I'm guaranteed you've insulted quite a few of our listeners. because Most of the Midlands. Well, so. if they live in those places, they won't understand a word I'm saying, unless they've got Google Translate on. Uh, I like Cambridge. I, mean, Cambridge I, speak, nice. I speak for Chris and I, the South West is... Essentially, you know, Britain's Riviera. Yeah, <laughs> I like Bristol. I love your accent. It's cheeky. <laughs> Hello, me babbers. Hey, cheeky monkey. That's it, Josh. So plenty have gone. So that's what wow. people are. Like, so many people are doing that. How do you rate the window? I rated it a seven because so many players have gone. I had a little John called me a tit last night, which is which is lovely because I said the new bloke wasn't a right back because. Uh, he only played a few games at right back, but they're going to don't watch him, so I've never even heard of him, so I'm not going to argue. That's all right. Chris and I had the argument this morning. That, oh, who uh, won? Whether not, uh, well, let's just put it this way, that he ignored the statistics and still, still stood by his... Uh, Did he block thoughts. you on Twitter? That's all we need to know. Uh, no, he can't block me on WhatsApp. Still there. Uh, still see him sending messages. Who are you arguing with? Um, uh, Chris. I'm arguing with Chris. Bloody Chris. I, I, I don't argue with anyone on Twitter anymore. The Plymouth really me. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> The Southwest uh, Premier Masturbator. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of the outs uh, that you've gone through there, Danny, the one that I think has raised not the most eyebrows, but certainly um, popped the most party poppers would be Willian leaving. Uh, John, did you listen to um, Kia Jarabton's uh, musings on Talk Sport? I. Kia Jarabchin, how best to describe him? The Danny Mills of agents, perhaps, would be <laughs> would be a polite way to put it. What a fucking tool. Um, what was it? Uh, William came to play. He didn't come for the money. He came for the project. The project wasn't delivered, so he had to leave. Um, I was very excited when we signed William, personally, because he's a player I've always liked. I thought we should have given him a two-year deal, not a three-year deal. Doesn't matter. Um, it's all done now. Didn't work out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, clearly didn't play to the best of his abilities, although was joint on the assist charts for last season for us, so that shows how bad we were. Um, look, he's gone now. The club have done the right thing in getting him off the books. 
I don't believe for a fucking minute that he's torn up his contract. I think that's complete nonsense. Um, I'm guessing that we have either agreed some sort of payout or we're subsidising part of his wages whilst he's at Corinthians, where he's not going to earn it anywhere near the money he was here. Um, hope he has a lovely time in Brazil. Uh, Kia Jurabchen is a massive tit. Um, perhaps should have mentioned, instead of blaming the entire thing on Mikel Arteta, didn't once mention Raul Sanyehi or his best pal Edu or all the barbecues they've had together or anything else. Um, and also the other shite players that he's loved the club with. So, yeah, that's that's my nice no, my nice take on Kia Drabchen. I will save my more critical one for off-air. Fair. Uh, and Stokes, was there any other outs that you were pleased to see, uh, either for the player development or just because they're a fucking arsehole? Um, I can't do anything but share John's sentiments. Kia Drabchen is a world-class turd. Um <laughs> That annoyed me. She like all this. Oh, he hasn't settled in the project. Blah blah blah. Hasn't been delivered. You know, let's the, the, just not mention the fact he was triumphantly shit the whole time he was here. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, that's the one we all wanted to see go because he was just you know dead weight and lumbered with all those wages. He was essentially fucking useless. And as John said, I don't believe for one second he's torn that contract up. It's just some sort of false heroism to make him look like he's some sort of you know super guy look at me i've torn my contract up it's not about the money i want to go home i don't believe in this project blah 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 blah, blah. fuck off um it's a shame to see joe willett go but 25 millions on the table the club made a right decision taking that because it's helped us fund other areas but i think there's one or two players still hanging around that you wanted to see go Sad to see Bellerin go, because I think if there's one player that you want to hold up as the example of an ambassador for Arsenal Football Club, it is him. Um, but at the same time, since he had that bad injury, he's not been the same. He's lost one, maybe two yards of pace. He's just not the same player. Mm. Uh, one of you guys mentioned earlier that he's going to a lot slower league, which will suit him. I think... I think his time at Arsenal's over, even though it's alone. I don't think he's going to come back. They'll somehow arrange Betis or another team in Spain to take him on permanently. Outgoing wise, I mean, there's a list of young kids and 26 year old goalkeepers that Danny said that have all gone out. And to be frank, I mean, it's neither here nor there. You hope you wish him well, or Arsenal players, you want them to do their best. But I don't really think any of those mentioned are going to have any significant impact on the future of the club i don't really know. i think in terms of outgoings it's quite it's quite good could have been a lot better i think we'd all be in agreement that there are you know three four maybe even five players that are currently at the club you'd want to boot out the door some more swiftly than others so i would say if i was going to give it a numerical rating in terms of outgoings i'd say somewhere four maybe five out of ten given that only one of those outgoings we've received a fee for yeah absolutely Gosh, um, are you yes if we'd have looked at hector bellowin's um career prospects and the fact that he's been at arsenal all these years and he's got barcelona dna are you surprised that he got three caps for spain in 2016 and one in 2020 do you think that's more that says more about him and his career than than anything he's done at Arsenal. 
Because no, Spain aren't exactly known for their defending. Uh, I'd say Carvajal is the first name that comes to my mind. Uh, that's what kept him out of the Spain national team for all those years. Uh, first choice, Real Madrid right back in there at that point. Uh, that they don't really care about defending, do they? They're all ticky-tacky midfielder and no, not, scoring not goals fully, from everywhere. But you've got Sergio Ramos in defence and PK there. I think they would have liked some pace to their flanks to uh, keep them in Which pace, he but, had, didn't he? Which he had mm. lots of pace, but I think, uh, I, to be honest, I'm struggling for other names of Spanish right-backs, but I do remember at the time that was the issue, mm. that Bellerin wasn't getting <clears> through. Uh, Dave at Chelsea. Oh, Azpilicueta. Yeah. That was it. Is the other one he can there. play either side, can play as a mm. centre back in a three. Um, do they have? Does Gaia play does right the, back or left back? No, Gaia's left back. Left uh, back yeah. They had uh, the guy from San Sebastian. I can't remember which team in that region he is from. Yeah, the something Zola plays for Real Madrid again. There's been an abundance of right backs that have stopped him, and yeah, his call up that he got later in the thing was purely because Aspilicueta's now. About 300 years old, and uh, Carver had been injured for a season. I think that's the one thing that had let Bellerin down that the chances he could have potentially got um, just weren't necessarily there for him. He obviously got a few caps in uh, for Spain's youth, that's where he met Danny Ceballos uh, and convinced him that Arsenal might be a place that he could come and pirouette in midfield um, for two seasons and do fuck all. Um, but yeah, I, it is a shame. I think I completely, again, echo everything Stoke said in terms of what Bellerin was off the field for Arsenal. Uh, he knew the kind of um, culture that we had and was also not afraid to tell um, the fan base to fuck off when they needed to be told to fuck off uh, in a nicer way than Granite Xhaka did. Um, I think, from yeah, for me, if he'd managed to maintain his the physical um, at the footballing level that we saw of him, you know, at maybe 24, then for me, he's the ideal candidate to be the captain of the I club. I think but- there was something else someone else pointed out, and I thought it was really true, is that he also kind of represents the last Arsene Wenger player. Mm. So it's very sad in that respect for me as well. Yeah, the last one to come through the academy mm. so, as well. Uh, yeah, one of the, you know, Wenger was, oh, what was the... Um, scout that um, apparently he's amazing because he scouted Messi at 16 by sitting outside La Masia um, oh, was told it? us he was amazing Kagiel that one was it he yeah he was the one yeah you know the guy that would just camp outside La Masia and just say oh that player's good and your nan could have done that why really oh my god you found this player in Barcelona's youth academy no way yeah managed to find they also found John Terrell Who's done yeah. fuck all? Yeah. Uh, uh, Sergi Roberto was the fullback we couldn't remember the name of. He kept him out of the squad for a while as yeah. well. Yeah. Barcelona. I was just looking at Chelsea's transfer dealings. They sold or got rid of 29 players for about 150 million quid and they sent 21 out on loan. Did you see where, where Danny Drinkwater had to go on deadline day? I didn't even know he'd gone. Where's he gone? Not did I. Reading. Reading. 100 oh, yeah. grand a week he's on at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> they finally Ross got Bar- rid of Victor Moses, though. That bloke had... Uh, yeah. They signed him in 2012 and have only just got rid of him after six loans. He has had an amazing career. Mm. Ridiculous. But then, see, that's, that's the thing I would look at mm. with all transfers out of clubs. 
Didn't Victor Moses play for him when uh, they won the title? Yeah, I think so. yeah, under he's, Conte, and yeah, then he, Conte he, took him to Inter. He went to Inter, yeah. Mm. Uh, he was actually he was all right at Inter. But you, any club, when you look at their outgoings, um, you can look at fees in, and obviously the only one we really got any money for mm. was Willock, and I think we got good money for him. Some people said should have been doing more, but I think in this market, and in particular, yeah, look what we did with that money. Who we bought? It's good. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're you're basically taking that money and spending five million more for Odegaard. <laughs> I mean, um, no one, no matter what side of the fence someone could go, Odegaard isn't five million pounds worth more than five million pounds than Willock. Uh, no, there was one guy on Twitter who said Odegaard had only got one assist. Uh, no, three assists and one goal. Uh, Willock scored more goals. Of course, Willock's a better player. Uh, I immediately blocked him, obviously. He's a moron. <laughs> um, but you look at like Chelsea and you'll say X amount of money's come in. But that's on players like uh, Bakayoko, who they've had for donkeys, spent ridiculous money on. And that's why gone out loan, loan here, That's why he went on loan. money. Um, <laughs> they've yeah. still got Kepa. They've got a seventy-two million pound goalkeeper who they're not playing. You know, they've got. Um, they've got. Do you remember the guy that was at Villa in the midfield it was quite good for them last season, uh, but didn't oh. have any suitors. Ross Barkley. Oh Ross yeah, Barkley. that guy. Yeah, yeah he's Forgot still on their books. Yeah. Didn't yeah. manage to get a loan. Didn't get a move. Yeah. It's a promise, Josh, that we didn't get any loans because so many clubs can't afford, can't get the money for value for their players. I'd have thought we'd have got a couple of loans. I would have thought potentially, but then I don't think we've got the game time and the people that we're kind of targeting weren't really weren't really available on. Are you disrespecting Wimbledon in the League Cup? That's not worth it. I mean, Arsenal for one game. (laughs) I mean, it's it's enough to say, yeah. Yeah, the players we went for were all ones that were, for the most part, the ones we tried to sign and the ones we have signed are all players who the clubs were willing to let go so we could do a deal and it just made sense to do it now because for as bad as the pandemic has hit all the clubs around the world, the Premier League are obviously better off than all the other leagues. Did you see that but, chart of spending across all the leagues? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, think, it's ridiculous. But you, Sorry, you can I just at, interrupt to yeah, ask a completely on. random question? Is that a Big Trouble in Little China t-shirt you've got? It is indeed. It is my favourite movie. It's one of my favourite movies of all time as well. I absolutely love it. It's, Me too. Honestly, it, it's it amazing. Is the best yeah. thing. Yeah, it's such a good movie. Um, that, that interruption is always welcome. Um, <laughs> what but, if I tell you I watched Rocky Six last night? Oh, you crazy. Um, at least watch Rocky Five, Tommy Gunn. Uh, I don't know, watching them all in the right order. Six was with Tommy Gunn. No, five is no, Tommy Gunn. That's what I watched. Gunn, yeah. Five was awful. I'm watching them all in order again. Got those those leagues, as I was saying, Syria, La Liga, Bundesliga, they're going to have the fans back this season. They'll generate more revenue than they had, obviously, in the sort not that it wasn't off season, but basically the pandemic season. So the price of those players is probably going to be higher come next summer so it makes more sense to do those deals now than try and get loans and like Josh said we aren't going to have that many games this season Hmm. the one area of I guess slight concern would be centre mid um, just because especially when AFCON comes round Hmm. I think in terms of outgoings I think basically what Josh and what Stokes have already said it was very good with the exception of you know maybe uh, you look at Kalasinic who could still go because the Turkish window is still open so there is a chance he still goes uh, Nketiah not getting a move. Maitland-Niles thing is really odd and loads of conflicting stories about that, but whether he goes or not, and then maybe Cedric. Um, but other than that, I think the amount of players we had to get out of the club and probably the money that we've had to pay off someone like Willian 
meant that we could only do so much. So I do give Edu a tiny bit of like break for that, but probably more because of the players he managed to bring in that I'm impressed with. But you have yeah. to look at all the last four transfer windows as the bigger picture, as part of the process of what they've done, because you could never get rid of that many players in one window and, and, unless you were... You had a plane crash, and mm. you know, insurance purposes, it's not always what well, it might be worth it with some of them, depending who they were. But yeah, so as the project, this is one of the final pieces of the project, the process to get rid of loads of players. And I think January, or like you were saying, Fenerbahce, get cheap flights there if you're quick. Yeah, he's still got a chance, think- Collar. Yeah, I think there's one that we can certainly go into the two players that we've got in this weird limbo. Um, I mean, I don't expect. ABW to get any more guests on of high profile. Certainly no agents after what we're going to say or have said about Kia. I'm now going to go two-footed on AD Ward, who is uh, Enketia's uh, agent, who has made three deals. Is he Enketia's or is he Maitland-Niles? Enketia's. He's Balagant as well. Or is it AMN? It might be. I think he's Maitland-Niles. I think it's Maitland-Niles, yeah. It might be both. Anyway, the three moves have collapsed because of his agent fees Yeah, for trying to get him out um, yeah. and think that's enough for us to go well you're a fucking twat yeah. um, basically because the Palace deal was all signed up and ready to go mm, and then agent fees yeah that was for Nketiah yeah. for going so we'll start with Nketiah then we'll go on to the massive clusterfuck that is Ainsley Maitland-Niles not only on the pitch but off the pitch uh, yeah Stokes Nketiah where do you see that kind of position for him in, um, you know, in the squad for this season, uh, especially with Balogun getting minutes as well? I think if we had the Europa League, he'd be still down on the pecking order, and maybe would only play a couple of the games. I can't see him getting any game time at all, barring us having some sort of you know dramatic injury crisis. You would assume that if that starting central berth is open then you've got a pecking order of Aubameyang, Lacassette, Balogun and Martinelli before he even gets a start. Now, on the off chance, we're going to be in a game where you want to rest all four of those, which I can't imagine, other than perhaps Wimbledon. But Wimbledon will be an opportunity to give Balogun and Martinelli minutes. I just can't, I cannot see where he is going to get any significant playing time this season at all, which is detrimental for him, detrimental for the club in terms of you know his value and his sell-on. It's just a very strange, strange situation, like you said, where his agent has essentially fucked him over of getting a move. And now he's just stuck in this, you know, footballing purgatory, if you will, where he's at a club, but he's not going to play. Yeah. John, we saw that Palace bought um, Edouard instead for 15 million, which was more than we were asking for Enketia. So do you think there's something more to it than just Enketia refusing and sitting on a contract? Um, I mean, it's hard because you're never going to know for a hundred percent. But from previous dealings, it looks like it's agent fees, and maybe Inkatiara asked for too much money at Palace. But, you know, that that's possible. Um, Arsenal have quite a, uh, for the most part, anyway. I suppose socialist wage structure in that it's quite balanced across the majority of the players, especially the young ones, mm-hmm. and that they're probably on a lot more money than they would be at other clubs. They may be another club, you know, be on, I don't know, 
15, 20 grand a week, which is still a ridiculous amount of money, obviously, but in football terms, is absolutely piss all. Whereas at Arsenal, you might be on, uh, you might be on, I don't know, uh, 35 to 50 if you're a young player. Um, so maybe that's what turned them off. I feel a bit sorry for Eddie because I actually thought pre-season he looked really, really sharp before he got that injury. And he actually looked our brightest striker um, out of out of the ones we had. Um, I do actually think just because Arteta needs results, if Aubameyang or Lacazette aren't available, I actually think he would turn to Enketia first before Balogun or Martinelli. I'm still not convinced Martinelli is a striker. I, I think he's a wide player. I don't, I don't think he's strong enough, physically enough to play that role yet. And to be honest, the performance Balogun put in against Brentford. Now, Wimbledon is a different game, fair enough, but the way he got bullied, I wouldn't be putting Balogun up front anytime soon. I would have this as a season of, we'll bring you on in games where we're 2-0 up and there's five minutes to go or something like that and just let you have a run out. And basically this season, you're just training the whole time with the first team, working in the gym, building up and learning from them. Um, not the most exciting period for a player, but getting five, ten minutes here as a sub every now and again, so you can rest in a Bamiang or a Lacazette or something, to me is fine. So, Enketia probably wasn't in Arteta's plans, but now he's going to be maybe more involved than than he had, uh, you know, planned before the season. It's shit for him because I think he'll still go, and it means we're probably going to lose a player for no money when we could have got even if it was ten million. It's still something. Um, I guess what we lose in if he does walk on a free is that we've invested, you know, a lot of time and comparatively a small amount of money because it's over so many years, but we're not getting anything back on that investment. But he's an Arsenal player. He's been there for a long time and, and whatever happens to him in his future, you know, like Stoke said earlier, I hope he does really well. And I would have liked to see him at Palace and, you know, see how he got on. I think playing with someone like Zaha, he probably could have got quite a few goals for him and, you know, gets to play under Vieira, that sort of thing. But a bit shit, but happens sometimes. And that's the problem with football and agents in general. You know, this is a deal they could have done quite a while ago. Yeah, um, absolutely. And especially, you say, he's got one year left on his deal. Maybe he's just doing a messy and PSG said they'll go for him and he'll get a huge signing on fee and uh, the rest is history. Uh, Danny, we mentioned a mate, Lenars as well. Uh, I think it was the day before deadline day that he suddenly decided that Instagram is the best place to voice <laughs> his, um, his concerns with the club. Um, that he... I think if I can remember rightly, it says something like, um, I just want to go where I'm wanted and can play. Um, and then at Arsenal crying emoji. Um, how did you feel about that? And uh, yeah, everything that then passed afterwards. Well, I think he's uh, he wants to get his money back from Ozil's PR team because that is not the way you go and do stuff. And then that was followed up with... Um, at some point, the oh, I said at the beginning of the season, I want to play right back. I want to concentrate on my th on my career at right back. And when you think, well, you should have made this decision three years ago when you played five games for England mm. and you were a utility player that every club would want to play. Like you can play left back, right back, left wing back, left right, all of those down both sides, and maybe me in, in the middle. Every club needs a player that is um, can play like that. And he was going, no, it's, it's like it's like when the kids are all playing football at school and you go I'm striker and I want to be goalie 
he, he was just doing that and you think and this isn't you should look at all the other dead bodies that have gone before you that have gone up against Arteta you ain't getting anywhere from this and then the way it was all over again it was all back to normal a few hours later you, and then Arteta he was, he was staying and I think um, Arteta said that he's going to be included in the squad again or, or something along but it, it, this is just more shows more that the people who are the leeches other than our very own uh, Mr. Collins, Lequiff, but many people that he works with in that industry are all lying, cheating, clickbait scumbags. That's why we don't have them on the shows anymore, because they should be held accountable. Look at some of the shit that Sky Sports were pumping out, saying, oh, we, I, oh I've been told that this player wanted to come here, and I've been... If I was an Asian, I wouldn't tell any of you cheap suit fucktards anything about where my player might or might not be going. I wouldn't. Oh, look, I've got a yellow tie. Fuck off. Stick your yellow tie up your ass. I ain't interested in anything you've got to say. We all know you're fucking lying. Just get fucking back out to outside the stadiums and get dildos stuffed in your face. That's where you and your ilk belong. Don't believe any of it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was all bullshit. Hopefully, it'll stay. What's the name of the guy who was reading off his phone? You see that uh, about um, cover, cover something. That's it. I, that, didn't watch, yeah. I didn't watch a second of it because it's all shit. I watched that, and you think he, he was making out like he'd got some hot scoop about how um, I've forgotten the guy's name, the fullback, the Japanese guy, uh, Tommy Yasu, who I was waiting for him to call Tiramisu through the entirety <laughs> the of matter it, of time. Level, yeah. yeah, he was saying that Tommy Yasu was. Um, uh, alleged to have been offered to all the Premier League clubs and an agent had messaged him with a hot scoop saying, oh, I don't know how well he's going to cope, as if the agent would say that fucking nobody, that his client's potentially not going to be very good. It's just, why would you... And he sat there on air reading out like this, I've got this hot exclusive, and you think, eat a dick, you fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. What do we think, just in terms of Maitland-Nars and, again... Uh, I don't know who wants to take this one on terms of Arteta's man management coming back into uh, lack of into play. Yeah, um, um, I would else? say the the thing that annoys me about Maitland-Niles, and part of this is on Arteta. Which, uh, you know, it, it's both parties involved. The thing that annoys me specifically about the player is he was given a chance under Arteta. And he showed him what he can do as a player. Because in that FA Cup run, he was brilliant at, at wing-back. And he said, look, uh, I'm going to play you on the right, I'm going to play you on the left. He was shutting down people at Liverpool and at Chelsea, you know, you know, great teams. And he was playing really, really well. He was asking him to do a specific job and you were getting regular first-team football and you won a trophy doing it. Then it comes to the summer. He's not quite sure what his role is going to be in the squad. Fair enough, Arteta probably has plans of... These are the guys I want to go with. Ainsley, yeah, I'm still going to think about you, but at the moment, these guys I think are going to do better for me. So he asks for a loan move, and he turns down every single loan move he's offered until he gets one where he can go and play centre midfield. When all he's been told by every single coach and every manager, basically, you should play fullback. Even Sam Allardyce said to him, just play as a fullback or a wingback. This is what you should do. But he let him play centre midfield. And he had his time at West Brom. He didn't pull up any trees. I don't think... Technically, he's good enough to play in a midfield. Maybe in a again, I don't, I don't want to be like disparaging to the teams lower down the table because we are one. But teams who play that traditional sort of low block, um, lots of energy and distance covered, and more sort of box to box football, um, a bit more direct. Maybe in a team like that, he could play that role well. But he's had these opportunities, and 
he did really well and then his concentration just went. And the moment your concentration goes, you see all these lapses in games and he gets out of it because he's got pace and he can recover and stuff. But he makes stupid decisions sometimes on the ball. Um, I don't know what exactly Arteta said to him, but it clearly hasn't worked. That post, by the way, is no longer on his Instagram. I just checked. That has been removed. Maybe um, he doesn't realise that a right-back isn't ye olde right-back where you don't do anything. With Arsenal, look at Tierney, left-back. He's not a stereotypical left-back, is he? Yeah, I, I think the, the thing is, and we'll come on to this probably with the other signings we've brought in, I don't think Arteta wants to play with two flying fullbacks like Liverpool do necessarily because we don't have two holding midfielders. Um, the the fullback on one side will be more of a tuck in and become a third centre back, or can come into midfield if you need to. A bit like how Italy played in the Euros. Um, uh, how the oh god, I've got his name now. Lorenzo played at right back, or Lorenzi. It's just only the crucified for that. Um, look, it, he shouldn't have put the post up. He should have just gone to speak to Arteta and Edu, asked about his future because the Everton offer was there. That's fucked it all up. Um, in the end, they decided to keep him and block the move. There was all these rumours flying around that he was going to be excluded from first team training and everything. That's all been rubbished, like you already said about the fucking so-called journalists. Um, I think he'll probably get minutes this season just because, and he may end up playing in midfield because we're going to be short of players in January, as we keep saying. Uh, in hindsight, it's very easy to say we should have taken the, what was it, 20 million that West Brom offered for us at the time. Um, you know, but then you could say, oh, we should have kept Debbie Martinez and not, you know, and let Leno go and not sold him to, to Villa at the time. It's very easy to say that looking back now, but at the time, I think it was, we were probably right to keep him. Same as when we had an offer for Inketia and we turned it down. It was like, no, we can get more money for this kid because we can give him more minutes and he'll be worth more value because he's got another year's worth of playing and all that sort of thing. Sometimes it doesn't work out. I hope he plays well. I don't see his future at Arsenal in the long run. He'll probably go after this season. Maybe he'll go in January. Um, but for now, he's just got to fucking get his head down and work hard. Because any other club who's looking at him now will see how he reacts to all this and see what he's done. Because that is going to put off a lot of Premier League clubs. Going, like a war has a while. Yeah, well, well, if you see it post like that, yeah, you're not going to go... Oh, that's definitely the kid I want to come in, and um, <laughs> he's going to be really helpful, and he's going to be open to playing loads of different positions for me. And if this player's out and putting in midfield or a fullback, and he's he's definitely going to knuckle down and work hard. You see something like that, and you're a club, and you think, well, "Fucking hell, he sounds like a right nightmare." there. Um, so he's on him. Shoe in the head from his mum. Yeah, it's, it's on him now to you know to work that out. Again, he's got a dickhead agent, and his mother sounds like a fucking nightmare. But sometimes, as a player, you've got to take the responsibility yourself. Yeah, I think with what we're kind of looking at with Maitland-Niles, it seems like we're almost going to kind of milk him through January whilst we've got no one available. And then when Partey presumably comes back and knowing Xhaka, he'll get suspended on the 1st of January, so he'll miss three <laughs> games uh, across the uh, Cup of Nations period. Uh, and then that'll be it, deadline day move. And see you later, Maitland-Niles. Uh, I can't see much... All young players, Josh, should be made to read Nicholas Bentner's book. <laughs> all young players that are currently at Arsenal need to need to go to their advisors and slap all of them. Because we had Reese Nelson last season saying, no, I don't want to go on loan because my agents told me there's seven people playing ahead of you. Yeah, I reckon you've got a chance. <laughs> uh, 
And yeah, and we just mentioned Enketia the same, you know, just signed Balogun up. I'm surprised Balogun didn't go out on loan as soon as Enketia was on leaving. Um, I think that was just insane for me that he didn't get a loan lower down. Um, you know, Championship, given 40 games down there, he won't get bullied when he comes back to the Premier League next season. Um, we'll move to the more positives. You know, we had six players come in. Um, some to more fanfare than others. Actually, did any have fanfare? I don't think Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal fan base fanfared any of them. Um, I did. The list. A few, and Ramsdale, a did anyone fanfare that? I was excited. I think he's. I think he's a good signing. Yeah, I, I think. He's I, I want to say the the price is the only sort of you know area for grievance mm. that you would state. But I think looking at him, he's a good. I think he's a good keeper. He's a good kid. I reckon he, he's going to be good. I'm quite positive yeah. about that one. You think? You think if you take if you look at the price, but then you say. Mm. If he's at the club five six years, mm. um, possibly longer, who knows? And then you t- t- add that price over those years, you go, well, actually, that's fuck all. And that, that's another weird thing as well with this window. Everyone going, Arsenal spent the most money, so they should be doing this. But it's complete fucking bollocks. Like, look how much we're spending on wages. I think out of all the players we signed, Ben White is the person who's high, earning the highest wages out of all of them. It's eighty grand a week. The rest are like fifty or lower. Um, you know, I, I'm not comparing any of our signings to Ronaldo, but Ronaldo's getting half a million pounds a week at United. <laughs> it, it's fucking absurd. You know, how much is Lukaku costing Chelsea? God knows. But all these signings are massive, massive wages where we spent a lot of money on transfers. To our, In terms of what is added to our wage bill, it's actually very low. If anything, I would guess that with the players that have left, our wage bill probably hasn't changed massively. Um we saved two hundred and fifty grand with William and Louise leaving. Yeah. yeah. Um you've got those we got those and then if Kalasnich goes mm. as well, that's another hundred grand a week. You know, if anything, our wage bill might end up, end up being lower, you know, come sort of January time. So uh, I think you have to add, you have to look at it as the whole deal, not just the fee itself. But I'm really pleased with Ramsdale. He seems like like a really good character. Um, I know everyone goes on about the amount of goals he's conceded. If I was in fucking hell, like honestly, some of the defences he played against were, were in front of, sorry, were absolutely awful. I don't it just means he's had better. good practice, isn't it? I mean, to be I fair, yeah. He's had good practice. <laughs> it just means that he's just, uh, you know, he's he's seen a lot of shots in his time. Um, I mean, and uh, it's, it's, it's clear Leno's leaving as well, you know. I mean, Van der Sar conceded a fuckload when he was at Fulham. It doesn't yeah. mean he's a bad keeper, does it? Yeah. I, I, that, that's a really weird thing as well. Fans seem to go, oh, buying a player from a lower down club or lower league. Oh, that's just idiotic. Like, like, well, yeah. sorry, he's not, like one of the best defenders in the league went from Southampton to Liverpool in Van Dyke. I mean, look oh, at and so the other one went from Hull to Liverpool to yeah, the, left, the second best yeah. Scottish left back. Yeah, uh, obviously. And, um, there's another one. <laughs> I mean, one. Christ, they oh, got yeah, Wijnaldum from relegated Newcastle, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan yeah. Henderson from nearly relegated Sunderland. Even yeah. Shakiri, even Shakiri, yeah. was decent yeah. for him. Yeah. So you know, so I don't that whole they're at that club mm. for a reason thing. I think is nonsense. You don't necessarily always have to go. Let's go and get mm. an outcast from Barcelona who's not quite good enough mm. for the team. But because he's come from a club as big as that, he's definitely still going to be good. 
because we've yeah. done that quite a few times and it hasn't fucking worked at all. Well, I think in that case, I can segue quite nicely, not in order, but to a player that we got as a Real Madrid uh, outcast that we then signed in, Martin Odegaard. Um, I think that one, for me, came with the most fanfare, but mm. a little bit... Uh, I think, I'm thinking that's an absolute coup to get him on the money we did, £30 million pounds, yeah. um, for Odegaard. Uh, what, 22? I think it's the best deal of the summer, arguably, for what we can get. Um, yeah, I'm assuming everyone else agrees that that's kind oh, of yeah. like 9, 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's, a, it's 30 million pounds for a player that if if it turns out the way we all want it to, if it's like a, mm. a, a young guy who's not had the best of times at Real Madrid, obviously extremely talented, wants to move to a club where he feels at home and really kick on, it's that is the perfect time in his career for him to do it. So, it, I mean, the next five years, if he comes close to reaching the potential he seems to have, then he's going to be a fantastic player for Arsenal. That is, oh, yeah. that would be like, I don't know, getting, if we hadn't got Sesk at 16 and got him at, I don't know, 22, yeah. but he hadn't mm. quite had the same development speed that he did at Arsenal, mm. uh, you know, at Barcelona, it, it could, I'm not saying it will, but he's got the potential to be that level of signing. And the so most he, important, sorry, yeah, John, sorry. I mean, no, no, the, most, no. the most important thing is he wants to be here as well. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like hearing hearing a player who genuinely wants to be at the club clearly likes the manager. Mm -hmm. um, I know fans don't necessarily like the manager and there's question marks over him, obviously, and whether he'll, how long he'll be there. But the fact that he really enjoyed it and really wants to be there um, and like really likes the young players as well. And I think for his age, he's... he's very much a leader already you know captain moves national team um you hear the way like Halland and people like that speak about him he's really thought of very highly and like in terms of his professionalism i just think he's a great example it's always good to have older players to look up to in a, in a squad obviously and to learn from but i think to have someone who's in your age range but has already got that level of professionalism mm. is just an extra bump you know for those younger players in the squad so i i think it's easily our best signing and yeah not heralded as such because you know Lukaku, Ronaldo, those kind of players are going to get the headlines. But I, I think it really is one of the signings of the summer. That price is ridiculous. I think yeah. if we're if we're going to kick on and improve this season, it's pretty much revolves around him and Aubameyang playing well. If those two play well, I can't see us improving without those two playing well. Yeah, yeah I think it also helps keep hold of maybe some of our younger players that are coming through that could be coveted by bigger sides yeah. because again, he is that poster boy for. Don't at 16 move to Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, don't go to these elite mega clubs. You know, Saka, yeah, you're getting a load of game time here. Mm. Enjoy your football. And then when you can guarantee, you know, Jack Grealish is what, 26, 27? Something like that, yeah. That's the kind of age that you move from a club to when you can guarantee you're going to start for like a Man City, uh, you know, Liverpool, Barcelona, those kind of clubs that we're talking about that would be interested in Saka and Smith Rowe as well, that he's that kind of guy that can be in their ear and just say, you know what? I've done it. I was a generational talent for my entire nation. And I didn't do it the right way necessarily. My mates, are, you know, Harland, he did it right. This is what you probably need to do as well. Um, I think that's the, the other big thing is I think he brings the best out of Smith Rowe. Like the best mm. I saw Smith Rowe play last season was when he was on the pitch with Erdegaard. Mm. 
Um, yeah. like the, the, again, the clickbait stories of uh, Arsenal signing Erdegaard spells disaster for Arsenal's new number 10. Uh, it's just nonsense. I think they play brilliantly together. They dovetail brilliantly. They're totally different styles of play. I love watching Smith Rowe and the way he moves with the ball. But Erdegaard's just got this like calm... It's kind of like when you first saw Party in that um, in that Man United game um, mm. the other season, we just looked better than everyone on the pitch. Just like everything he did, he could do it really smooth. There was like no errors in it. He could take the ball at any speed. He could just turn a player and just release the ball. And everything just looks so easy. And I think Erdogan's got that. And I, I think he really brings a lot to our pressing game as well. Um, the way he presses and pushes mm. people up. He's a very, very intelligent player for someone that young. So... Yeah, easily our best signing. I'm really excited to see what we can do. Even if it doesn't work out for Arteta, our next manager is going to send Arteta a big bouquet of flowers and chocolates because <laughs> that is a hell of a set of young, promising players he's got at that club. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of players that we can talk about that we I would expect not many of us would have seen play before they joined and had a couple of games for us now in Laconga and Tavares. Um, in terms of those two guys coming in, I think I think we can all agree that backup for Kieran Tierney uh, is just uh, was top of the agenda, and I think mm. Tavares is a, a similar um, adventurous, think, yeah, buccaneering, buccaneering. Yeah. Those kind Didn't of didn't he cover at right back as well? He did. Uh, yeah. No, it, he was so oh, good. He, came on, he yeah. came on ahead of our four right backs. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't know anything about Tavares before we signed him and obviously still don't know a lot, but he looks exciting, very raw, um, obviously got stuff to learn, but competitive, very athletic, um, quite physical for his young age, very quick. Um, yeah, I, again, I think it's a, it's one of those easy signings where you can get him, give him game time. Tierney, we know he's got injuries in him. Um, if it doesn't work out, we're not going to lose money. Um, if anything, you're still going to make money on him. Um, and again, I hope he works out because he, he looks an exciting prospect. Lakonga, I'd heard of, but I think probably from reading one of Drew's articles, uh, more than likely. And I remember talking to Drew about him when we were uh, like linked with him and before the deal was done. And Drew got me very excited about him. Um, but again, I hadn't really seen a lot of him. But yeah, do we, I'm assuming we all feel quite promising about Laconga as well. I mean, oh, he looks great. Yeah, mm. it's I'm going to say it's like an upgrade for Sabios basically because we haven't added any new bodies. It's very much like it's a, like Sabios with a bit more physicality and a little less pirouetting. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's less ballet and more. Um, yeah, I don't know what the opposite of ballet is. Um, sorry, <laughs> street dance. Blue Man Group. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I suppose that's more music. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's been really good. And he was probably unlucky to be dropped for the City game, to be honest, um, which I thought was a bit odd. Uh, yeah, I felt it was kind of almost like protection for him. Yeah, I think maybe. It would have maybe. been pretty mental. He's playing in the Belgian league. And... He almost got the impression that he thought, well, I'll put these fucking idiots in and let them take the flag and protect some of the younger guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that hmm. almost, it was a little bit, um, it did remind me of some of the things Wenger used to do sometimes in games <laughs> and just go, we've got there. Uh, yeah, this is just not going to work out. I might, yeah. yeah, I might save some of the young kids the embarrassment. I mean, that second half anyway was just basically attack versus defence and we just played defence for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, I, I really like Lukonga though. I, the thing that impressed me the most is I thought he'd be the sort of guy who you probably wouldn't see for three, four months mm. in the team. 
and he's coming straight away. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're like already better than I thought you're going to be. Like he looks not like fully up to speed, but he looked like he could cope with the league quite well. Um, yeah. Maybe not in the biggest games, um, like against the really, really tough opposition, but he's probably going to get a lot more. <laughs> he's probably, he's probably going to get a lot more minutes um, than I guess most people expected. Yeah, I'm imagining it's a similar breakthrough to Guendouzi, but without the... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the being a twat. Uh, I think before we go to the uh, deadline day signing, the other one to talk about is the big £50 million man. The uh, big uh, big signing from the summer, Ben White. Uh, we didn't need a centre-back, I think, as the, uh, the general consensus until... I suppose we saw us defending without Ben White. <laughs> uh, Is it true that he can't header? No, he can't jump. Can't he, he understands the principles of heading. Uh, he does know how yeah, to That head sounds head. like an MP's he's answer. Just, answer the question. Can he header? I think somebody said it best on Twitter. They said that he went through an entire championship season in a league-winning team. There's no way he can't header a ball. Not yeah. if... No, I don't buy that for a second. No, he he's not the tallest, and, is he? He's no. probably... My height, like six one, he's not like what you'd call like a, a, a yeah. like Van Dyke. Yeah. He's not a, a dominating centre half height, is he? No, he also went through a Premier League season where he didn't have to be the guy that was marking the best header header yeah, on the opposite Lewis side. Duncan, the Lewis other Duncan Webster, who yeah. oh, and maybe Dan Burn there, but yeah, you, you'd bet. I would say you'd put Neil Mope to mark somebody over Ben White in terms of their heading ability. And Mope's about five foot six and would throttle somebody instead. You're the only uh, reason I'm not worried about Ben White. You've got a lot of um, trust he, on your shoulders, young man. I trust Ben White massively. On I that. thought you were going to say Brighton DNA in him, but he might get accused of things. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Chris again. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, his, uh, his real DNA, if he's getting pushed anywhere, is uh, further down the south coast um, towards Chris, but not all the way. He's going to stop off in Hampshire. Uh, on a Dorset DNA, but anyway, um, yeah, I think for me, Ben White is a shrewd signing that kind of kicked off what we were going to be doing this summer, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know why anyone else thinks to it with who hadn't seen as much of Ben White as probably I had. I think I'd watched him a couple of times, but you know, you don't really take too much notice, do you? You mm -hmm. don't, you know, you're watching a Brighton play or you're watching any other team play, and you don't necessarily. You don't. You certainly don't spot a player who's you know, you know, consistently seven, eight out of ten. Mm. You might have your eye taken by someone who's having like a nine, ten out of game, seeing mm. something a little more exceptional than normal. But I think then you sort of, when Arsenal are interested in a player, you go towards the point where you're looking at them. And I always thought he's a good footballer. He seems like what it, i don't know what you think but i look at him and i immediately think he's far more suited to playing in the midfield than he is at the back mm. like he's a uh, good footballer he's got a good eye for a pass he's good in the tackle but as some of you have attested to maybe aerially it, it, you, you get the impression if you put someone like lukaku up against him or you put some imposing center half up against him he's gonna struggle yeah uh, i i would agree with that and i think that's why we've got gabriel next to him and it's all about Centre back mm. partnerships is he trying what to hand that his, his main partnership then? Is it what for us? Yeah, if he had all of his players fit, it's Gabriel. Do you reckon he knows his best eleven? Oh, it's got to be Gabriel, hasn't it? It's 
Gabriel. Yeah, it's, it's Gabriel and White. I, I do think the other new player we'll get onto a bit mm. does pose some questions about what system exactly mm. we're going to play. Because again, I mean, it's, it's so stupid now saying systems because teams completely change their shape whether they're attacking or defending and, and depending where the ball is on the pitch. But those mm. two would be the starting centre-backs. Would be. I think, I, I know this is the sort of revisionist opinion to have. If you think a back three of Saliba, Gabriel and White, that looks oh. really good on paper, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one that you're also a bit like, oh, it's a bit of an experience there. You've got a bit of... Uh, it's got a massive... Ma- has somebody got a cat? I keep hearing bells. Yeah. Yeah, it's Betty. <laughs> you pack off. She's got a new flea collar on her because she's riddled. The other cats have got none. That dirty bitch, riddled. Wasn't me. No, catches them from Danny's beard. I've seen Is that why you're itching? You've got like whore cat rabies. Oh, she sleeps on my bed, the dirty, she just licks all day, always licking her ass. <laughs> I shout at her to fuck off. Wouldn't we all if we could? Um, <laughs> I, I, hadn't seen a, I hadn't seen a lot of Ben White. Um, everything I read was that he'd been <laughs> playing a lot in a back three, um, <laughs> which obviously brightened to play or. Do still play? I'm not even sure. Still play. Yeah, still play. Um, uh, but yeah, like Stokes said, he when he's on the ball, um, he looks really tidy and neat. Mm. And it's obvious we want to play out from the back. Not when Leno's playing, obviously, because he's scared to kick the ball more than two yards. <laughs> um, well, sorry, less than two yards, I should say. Um, so it makes sense for the way we want to play football. Again, he's young, he's English, helps fill the homegrown quarter, quota. Um, people argue about the price. But again, it's English player tax. Um, if he plays 150, 200 games in the contract or whatever, you know, over four or five years, he's going to be worth more money. So again, you're not losing anything and he's not on huge wages. Um, and because of the fact he's English, it means that if you decide to sell him when he's, I don't know, 26, 27, Man United are a really stupid club and the Glazers probably would have done something else really fucking stupid have gone shit, we need to shut the fans up. Uh, buy that English player for, you know, 150 million and uh, give him, you know, 300 grand a week. It's fine, just do it. It's fine. No one will pay attention to the fact that we're leveraging all that debt on the club. They still haven't worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it, 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 the direction and the, the policy for transfers of buying young players who've got talent, got the chance to progress, increase in value, and if they don't work out, you are not losing out and you're not tying yourself to a contract with a player of huge money is the way probably we should have been running for the last, I don't know, even at the end of Wenger's sort of reign. I know he was uh, finally, he had some money to spend, which is why we got Sanchez and Ozil, which was great. But if anything, that's where the travel direction should, um, should have gone. Um there's only one other player to talk about, isn't there, Josh? Yeah, I think so. I'll just add on Ben White mm. as well. Um, another thing Stokes alluded to was in terms of he looks more like a midfielder. He started the season for Brighton last year in midfield next to Basuma. And I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, when the Africa Cup of Nations rolls around and we lose a couple of players, <laughs> that White might be there as a potential option to play in midfield for us. Um, so whilst we might say, oh, we're going to lose, you know, we loaned out Aziz. Yeah, we loaned out Aziz because you know what? We're not going to keep him for the potential of two games in January. Mm. We loaned him out for a season at Pompey. Um, yeah, I think that's where Ben White comes into 
into play and the same probably for Maitland-Niles as well that you know they're, they're an option that can play in midfield if really push comes to shove uh, but yeah the as final can one, our new signing I was going to say as can our new signing our new centre-back yeah uh, <laughs> that one uh, Tommy Ashu who's come from uh, Bologna uh, big tacky, I think is. Domo uh... arigato, Mr. Tomia. So if that's not the song sung by the fans, I'm going to be really pissed off. They'll be too busy booing all the other players to be able to see. But yeah, we brought him in on deadline day. Uh, apparently, a man that had been what uh, sold to every Premier League club, oh. like uh, who's going out of fashion, but uh, ended up deciding that Spurs wasn't the place for him. And he, he came to Arsenal. Uh, John, I know you're the uh, resident Serie A expert of the Hipsters podcasts. Expert's uh, a that. loose term, but yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna, that's why I was going to say from the Hipsters podcast, and we can say that you haven't been on one for over two years. So it's fine. <laughs> I got sacked. I got sacked for lack of knowledge. <laughs> uh, but yeah, have you seen anything of him at Bologna? Or have, like like me, did you go immediately onto YouTube and see his five minute highlight reel <laughs> under under mixed with uh, some awful dubstep track? Um, I did watch a highlight reel, uh, if only to remind me, because weirdly enough, Bologna are not a team I watch that often, <laughs> except for when they're probably playing, you know, Inter or, or, or AC or something like that. Um, no, I had seen him again, like Stoke said, he's, it's the kind of thing like with Ben White, where you don't necessarily pay that much attention to an individual player unless they're sort of having a worldie. And to be fair, when it's Bologna, it's normally someone on the other team. Um you were probably I, just I, shouting at Perisic for why he was having such a shit oh, game, rather yeah. than why is the right back playing so well? Yeah, constantly going <laughs> fucking idiot, Ivan. Um, I, I had a I had a bit of an argument with uh, Plymouth's premier pub puller uh, last night about about Mister literally uh, the Plymouth Ho, Mister Mister Tom, as lots of people have been calling him. Um, this argument over whether he's a centre back or a right back, he is a modern footballer who is what you would call... I, all right, if you want to put it in technical terms and really wanky coach speak, he is a hybrid centre-back, uh, meaning that he has played right-back, he's played centre-back, he's played midfield, he can play right-side, he can play left-side, he can play centre of a three. He basically can play pretty much everywhere across a back four or five. I think the only position he hasn't played is like left-back or left-wing-back, although he's probably technically proficient enough to do that. Um he is not a particularly adventurous fullback when he plays there. That's less down to him and more down to the fact that Bologna obviously don't get forward very often. And they have quite a... I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I can't remember the guy's name. Danny will probably have to look it up for me. Anyway, Bologna have a guy uh, who plays ahead of him um, who's quite a tricky winger and likes to go forward and is a bit Pepe-ish in the fact that he doesn't like to defend. Uh, so Tom basically sits there and is very solid and reliable and lets his man go forward and do all his stuff. He's good with both feet. He's six foot two. He's really good in the air. Um, I think someone did a stats thing on him and he basically beat every single one of our defenders uh, in terms of aerial duels um, for last season. Uh, he doesn't, I think he beat all of our fullbacks and all but one of our midfielders in terms of being dribbled past as well. He's, he's very good in one-on-ones. Um, to be slightly 
I guess, perhaps culturally racist. I don't know. It might be. Uh, apologies if this is any Japanese listeners. Um, he's in the Japanese sense of very hardworking and dedicated and studies proficiently the game. He really understands football. He's very intelligent. But he's, uh, if you look at the way Man City play, in that their fullbacks like to come inside into centre midfield, and we've seen Arteta try to do that. Tierney isn't that kind of player. He's a, you know, the the um, Robertson mould uh, or Trent Alexander-Arnold get down the wing and and get the crosses in. Uh, Tom is more of a he can come inside and play in midfield if you need him to and spray passes about. I'm sure at Arsenal he'll get more of a chance to get forward and we have more of a license to that. But my assumption is that if we play a back four. Tierney's going to bomb on and then he's going to tuck in as a third centre-back who has the ability to step out with the ball or play a long ball diagonally with his right or left foot so that if he does get pressured, he can play it off either foot. Um, and if you need to, you could play him as a left-sided centre-back if you really want to as well because at the moment, you know, we don't have one until Gabriel's back. Uh, I actually think it's a really, really good signing. The price we paid for him is actually quite cheap. And I said on Twitter last night, the biggest praise I can give for him, sorry, I know I'm rambling on, um, is that Atalanta were looking at him. And if anyone's ever watched Atalanta play football, if you can watch Atalanta play football for five minutes and then tell me where each player, other than the striker, is supposed to be playing on the pitch and get five out of those players correct, I'll be well impressed because their system is fucking insane. If you think Bielsa's is nuts, Atalanta's is nuts, which is why they're so exciting to watch. And if he's smart enough to play for that team, as they were looking at him, um, then he's definitely good enough for us. So I, I think he's a really, really good signing. Um, the, the people who say, oh, he's from a mid-table team and a crap league and everything else, again, honestly, just, like try actually watching a game in Italian league. It, it's, it's not like that at all. So can we sum it up as he's a right-back until he's a centre-back? That's how it works. I think he's exactly what we need him to be. As yeah. John alluded to, yeah. he's neither one nor the other, but he covers both. Yeah. And and he can step into midfield as well. Like he's yeah. he's just he's a very good solid professional. And I think he looks really really good as well. Twenty, I think he's twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah, he's played quite a lot of games already in Syria. Um, if you don't want to believe me, which is fine, because I'm just the bloke who watches Italian. I just happen to enjoy Italian football. I'm no football expert or coach or anything. If you go onto Twitter, you can see James Horncastle, uh, Matt Bonetti. Um, Oh God, uh, Adam, Adam? No, not Adam Somerton. God, who's the guy? I can't remember the other guy's name, but I've got a load of posts. On. No, there's another one. Um, but they all watch Italian, like Syria. They're mm. commentators. They really, really know their stuff. They actually understand the game. They don't just watch Juventus and Inter Milan. They actually watch all the teams. They know a lot about Syria being all the players coming up. Um, most of them knew about Conti before anyone really knew of him in terms of coaching. Obviously, people have heard of him as a player. But if you go and read what they've written about uh, Tom uh, as a player and what interestingly there was a really good piece about what he could do for Pepe sort of unlocking Pepe's potential or a Bakayo Saka if he wants to play from the right is giving that security to whoever is playing on the right hand side really unlocks that ability because the amount of times you think where you've gone oh, Pepe's not quite doing it in the game he needs someone to over, either overlap for him or give him an option he can do that but then we got flooded so far down that side of our, our pitch and we got torn apart pretty much most of last season down that side. I know Tinny did get exposed a few times as well, but that was a real problem. And it just gives that level of security. And when you've got Odegaard, who has that natural tendency to drift to the right, 
it gives Pepe the option that he doesn't really need a fullback to uh, you know, go over there. Smith Rowe tends to like to go on the left, and that's where Tierney is. So you're giving the team more more width and giving those players who should be the ones doing the damage to the opposition a much more stable platform to build off. Um, so I think it's a really, really good signing. Um, I'm very happy with it. I hope the chant takes off. It's probably not going to. Um, <laughs> it's a great song, though, anyway. It's very cheesy. I love it. Yeah, I, I think in terms of, yeah, when I kind of first had a quick glance at him, it was a bit like, oh, this is an upgrade on Callum Chambers. Is It's that kind of right back that we've got. Someone big, strong, as we've just mentioned about Ben White and how he struggles potentially in the air. Well, you've got Gabriel and, uh, yeah, Tacky Tommy issue to, to deal with, uh, you know, set pieces. Ben White can take that kind of other role within defence, uh, probably just organising uh, corners and stuff like that. And yeah, in general, I think he's got that recovery pace that we are missing from that without having to play Maitland-Niles. And there's a lot of things that we don't get from Maitland-Niles that we gain from having a dedicated right back who has played a hell of a lot of games in defence, understands in a league that is very tactical. It is You've got to be a smart player to play in Serie A, um, especially in defence because of how much shopping and changing goes on there um, and really disciplined. So I think, yes, if you agreed, it looks to be a really interesting signing for us. And uh, hopefully it gets us at least a point uh, to put on the table. <laughs> Last time we signed a Japanese player, we won the league. So it's, it's all good omens. <laughs> Rio Miyachi. Um, Inamoto. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck, I forgot about Miyachi. God damn it. All right, okay. I was thinking I was Oh, come on, Josh. I'm not going to remember these ones. Uh, Apologies to those two players. I'm sure you're doing something somewhere. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure we won an FA Cup when we signed Takuno Asano. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Probably. It's about that era. I could, we can just say it and then just go and yeah, just leave it. It definitely on. happened. No one there remembers. There we go. Definitely. Miyachi joined us in the uh, 04, 05 season. I don't know. Something, something happened. Who knows? Um, but yeah, we can go forever in terms of Tell you what my views on Tom let's get your views on Tom Never he's not a centre back Danny. there we go yeah, Danny. sorry Danny Never heard of him. there we go <laughs> I would say as well a uh, friend of the podcast although he hasn't been on for ages and if he's got this far listening through a podcast I'd be amazed FK did a good breakdown with uh, another Italian journalist on uh, Tommy Yashu on his channel Latte Firm uh, although the Italian journalist did say that this side is now built for Antonio Conte to come in and take it, um, which I take with a heavy pinch of shame. If they didn't put as much ABW as he does with the Falate firm, I thought we wouldn't be where we are now. Cheers, FK. Built, Thanks, FK. Built, built for Antonio Conte if someone gives him 500 million to spend and an unlimited wage bill. Yep. To Absolutely. basically replace all the players that you brought in from yeah. just want all the players. <laughs> And it's expect all the 30-year-old yeah. strikers, 35-year-old uh, yeah. strikers yeah. in Serie A to be joining Arsenal for the very next window. Oh, we're going to finally, fi- uh, finally sign Arturo Vidal. And Mandzukic. They'll both yeah. come in. It'll be great. Um, so, yeah, in terms of what we've got on the agenda, I think the other bit I had was, in inverted commas, the projects and how we kind of felt it going. I thought uh, it meant, like, um, New York hip-hop style, the projects, then. Uh Sadly not. It is very much the, the buzzword of Arsenal. 
I thought uh, that like project. that picture behind Danny was like a like his bespoke art of Lauren Hill or something. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what this podcast really needs now is Danny to just drop a freestyle yeah. about living in the projects. Yeah, I'm doing it in my head. You are spitting bars, Daniel. I don't live in the projects. I live in in a, a lovely quaint English village. No, I didn't say British. <laughs> English English wow. village. Racist. Wow. Everyone's English. Well, not actually. Until they're not. Portuguese. I'm Greek. You should open what? the podcast and say you were Greek anyway. Mm. Oh, I'm actually the Bolivian. Oh. <laughs> I, I like the project uh, in terms yeah. of the transfer strategy. I think Me it's too. Smart. I'm, I'm, I'm big on board with it, and I think it's something we should have been doing for a long time. And I think people complaining that these signings aren't going to get us top four are fucking morons because we were never going to get top four anyway. <laughs> we are way behind. This is a long process. We'll take years. This may be a three years till we see properly what these players can do. You know, it might take that. Semi-final of the League Cup. Here we come in three years. <sighs> I'm, I'm much more excited about watching a young team go yeah. out and put in effort and they're going to make some horrendous fuck-ups in games. Guarantee it, because they will, because they're young. But I'm way more excited to watch that than a load of 30-year-old players on 200, 250 grand a week who couldn't give a shit. <laughs> Did you hear about Xhaka um, testing positive for COVID with the Swiss team? Mm. Yes. What a week he's had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he didn't do that Saturday morning, really, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if it would have helped, to be fair, no. unless he was in the dressing room of uh, Man City when he, when he found How out. Is, how's Ben White? Why wasn't he playing? Did he have a touch of the COVID ings? Yeah, he's I had think COVID. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he had, had COVID. it quite, he out, he had uh, quite bad, didn't he? Apparently. Yeah, he is out. He was out for Chelsea as well. Mm. Straight after. Uh, so, yeah, he's been out for a bit. But he is up and out because I have seen from his Instagram that he's out walking his dogs. So, all oh, is praise well. Praise the I, mean, I think the thing with the, the whole project thing is you just have to it is I know it's annoying mm. but you just have to wait and just see what happens yeah. whether it's Arteta who is the manager who leads these young players to something spectacular probably not probably not it probably, like Danny said it probably is the next maybe the next guy or the guy after that who comes in who really yeah, benefits fine. from this it <laughs> might be you know it might it might be the next manager it might be two managers down the line who really benefits from this strategy if they this is what I would like the club to do going forwards, it's a way to generate more revenue from the club so you can eventually, you know, expand on your targets and maybe one summer you can go, here's a 72 million pounds on a player who's actually worth the money, not you, Nicola Pepe. Um, <laughs> so how many more one. losses in a row, John, in the <laughs> league would you accept before you're, you're on the, the Chris Carpenter, let's hang Arteta until he's dead brigade? I wouldn't hang him at all. Um, it's I, a bit I, I to lose five games much. in a row. If, if we lost the next five, yeah, then I would say, yeah, it's probably time to pull the plug. My, my problem is, who do you bring in? And if he goes, does Edu go as well? I, I think I think Edu should, Edu should go regardless, to be honest, because I think he has failed in terms of outs. And some of the stories I've seen about him haven't been great. Um, but, like... I, I still have sympathy for Arteta because I think there's fucking no structure at all above him. It's not his fault. I'm not saying he hasn't done things wrong. I think he's got some things terribly wrong in terms of on the pitch and some of the tactics. But I wouldn't hang the guy. I want him to do well. I, I still think he's going to be a good manager one day. It probably won't be at Arsenal. Mm -hmm. I think he is going to be one. 
How about you, Josh? Do you, do you think if uh, Wenger came in as some kind of position above Arteta, if uh, the Edu thing does implode, do you think that would work? Uh, probably, uh, probably not. Oh, you can't Nintendo books there. He's a great, I don't know, he is a wonderful philosopher, but he didn't have hither and dither in the transfer market, didn't he? So uh, I don't think he's exactly, uh, you know, you all those 12 year old French kids we could have. That's the that problem, though. Towards the end of his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, after towards the end of his time, we weren't finding those players anymore because you know the contacts, the players that he knew about before. Everybody knows about them now. You couldn't, you know, dive into a youth academy somewhere in, um, or you know, just go into Clairefontaine. You can't pick up the under night eighteens from uh, France anymore, and there be relative unknowns. You know, oh. Saliba's in that kind of camp now and never heard of him we've, exactly uh we knew about him for two seasons we had to pay 30 million pounds for it it's you can't find a bargain in this market anymore really unless if if the club had like a ralph ragnick or someone with that mm. york for the whole time that arteta had been here and the results had all been the same obviously the recruitment would have been slightly different and i'm sure some mm. of the players that came in wouldn't have then i would have been at the point of yeah he's got to go because he's had proper structure above him and, and help and guidance and he hasn't had to worry or get involved with transfers in any way he might have said like oh this player looks nice can you see if you can get him and then whoever that person is above him will either say yes or no but that should all that should be the conversation that person should have the, the final say I yeah, think because I, he hasn't had that you had to you know um, I think we've got to the uh, got to the stage now where the Arteta is at the point where I think his vision of how he sees the club is nearly at fruition mm. and it gets down to the point where we're like you know the squad as we're saying is getting there i think in the next next summer mm. we look again to strengthen midfield and the strikers because we're talking about the two strikers talk about both over 30 one will have one year left in his contract and the other one won't um would have come to the end of his contract we'll need to get a new striker that's probably around the age of 24 25 uh, to come in that's the kind of thing that after that point you're then like well Arteta we've got a proper solid base behind you uh, we've got a squad that we now know isn't shit uh, and I think even now for bringing a manager in I'd still trust everything behind it to bring in um, you know Bring in. I'm so just looking at the messages that have come in, and uh, yeah, degenerates, all of them. <laughs> I know, right? Absolute rotters, a lot of you. Um, yeah, it's fine, Josh. Everyone knew what you were saying because you completely lost your point. Should we, should we change? Should we, but yeah, change I think we'll subjects? go to questions. We'll go to yeah. questions. What um, a segue! Stokes has got an incident. <laughs> Uh, I figuratively done it, not literally. Okay, that, that, that's that's fine. Um, you can figuratively pick the sweet corn out. <laughs> Danny, stop playing with the buttons and uh, could you do the listeners' questions, please? Because we've actually got some and they might be good. Who knows? Yeah. One I've had to censor because Fred, you're a dirty boy. Um, the, the obligatory from Christian Anderson looking after Andreasen looking after his cows in. Uh, Somewhere in Scandinavia. I should know, but I've forgotten. This is, should we shoot more? Hmm. We couldn't shoot any less, could we? Do we have one shot in the last game compared to their 20? I think they had 20 corners and we had zero. 
Wow. I think we could take more corners. So that's that's the age-old question. Start with you, Josh. I know Fred's Fred's one. I'm not asking your question, Fred. It involves pleasuring a man and comparing it to us. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are not heteronormative on here. I don't even know what that means. If if, if you want to pleasure a man, that's very fine. That's good. Good for you. In fact, many of us in the WhatsApp group constantly talk about pleasuring (laughs) other members of the group. It's Um, talking about this kind of gutter nonsense we're we're that's the only thing we're, we're left that we're better than I talking will, about sexual practices i, I assume the majority the of the pleasuring has been done by chris <laughs> <laughs> i will answer the question but without oh, asking the, it and the flim of pleasurer <laughs> yeah and people can then go and try and retroactively fingers find, <laughs> find fred's yeah they can find yes. fred's tweet and what his question will but i will reply with teethy <laughs> and I'll say gummy. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Uh, first proper question for you, Josh, from Jerome. Which game oh, it's not even a proper question for fuck's sake. Which game this season will Arteta give Kalasnatch the armband? <laughs> uh Wimbledon. Yeah. Because probably. I think it might actually happen. Oh dear, right. Question for John. Uh, Cactus Cash, Richard. He's actually sent in two decent questions. Thank Lord Baby Jesus for that. For you, John, do you think the disastrous start to the season will be spun on the Amazon documentary if spun at all? Um No, I don't I don't think it's gonna be spun because I'm guessing Arsenal will have some say on what can and can't go in. But Having watched the Man City one, um, I've watched a bit of the Spurs one. Um, there were some others, wasn't there, like with other sports and stuff. They didn't really like hide a lot. And when things weren't going well, um, I was going to say, you, they showed you mentioned the, the Spurs one. They cut out the entire Pochettino bit of the first half They did cut that bit. That's true. Um I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there. My guess is that Daniel Levy is probably a better negotiator than whoever negotiated our deal with Amazon. So I bet he had more say on what goes in their documentary than we have. Oh um, yeah, that's true. It was um yeah, get me all of those pictures of every time I walk into the yeah. uh, the players' canteen and have a really, really awkward lunch. Yeah, so I'm practice. guessing there will be there will be some spin on it, but yeah, they'll they'll show that we lost the first three games, but they all do it in the background of Mikel Arteta's or the club's project and the new signings coming in over the you know over that window over that period of time, and that will be the the horrible image in the distance of the three losses whilst all these shiny new things are walking past the, the screen. I think you've got it completely wrong. It is going to be three minutes of highlights to the Benny Hill music, and that'll be it. That'll be, that'll be how the sh- Amazon show starts, Benny Hill music. This is why I called you a tit last night, Danny, because you never listen. No. <laughs> uh, a second question from Richard to you, uh, James. It's... Uh... Okay, it's a proper one. Had we, I don't proofread these until I get to the, yes. Uh, had we got something from the Brentford game, do you think people would be viewing our transfer window differently? Uh, no. I mean, I don't think one result against Brentford is really going to alter people's perception that much. I mean, I think if the three results 
the Brentford one is the one that's not been expected. It's the one that causes more chagrin amongst people. But one result doesn't impact on, or at least from my point of view, it doesn't impact on how I perceive the transfers. Had we won that game, I think I'd still be generally more positive about them than I am negative. I don't think when you look at those six players we've brought in, there's anything that you can have you know, issues with or feel is bad. I think, no, no, for me, no. Well, there you go. Can't argue with that. Next question will be for Josh Badlucky. Do you want a sensible one or, or a shitty or a silly like one? A sensible one, please. Right, Jim Howson, he'll always give a sensible one. Will Arsenal always be a fractured fan base or could something unite it? If so, what? Oh. Nuclear Holocaust is probably the only thing that could unite our fan base right now. Uh, although some of the people would say it'd be a good thing and some would say. Uh, yeah, no. Probably we are slowly not. cooking in our own juices, according to uh, Greta. That is true. We are. Uh, and you're. And who's in? Oh, Ellis and uh, Nick will be one of the first two to go. I'll be anyway. fine because I live on a hill. Um, <sighs> although next to the coast, we'll be fine. I'll see it come up, and I'll see my neighbours drown first. But good. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I'll so nothing will ever unite us. I bet, um, I bet even if we win stuff, they'd still complain because some oh, of them make a living out of complaining. Will, exactly, someone will complain that a micro moment within a final where we batter Man City eight nil in the Champions League final, um, and something something will have happened nil nil where someone will go ask ridiculous. What will unite Arsenal fans is somebody being a fucking idiot. It'll- It'll be one of the players doing something catastrophically dense and it'll just unite everyone in their disdain for that act. But then there'll be somebody like John who'll be like, that's amazing. We should do it again. <laughs> what is this thing is, right? I was just about, I was like trying to think of something really stupid and my first thought was like, I don't know, for some reason. How about the when, club captain? everyone to fuck off. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I thought exactly. the fans deserved it, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, what if Gwen Doozy came back and just like halfway through a game, just like like helicopter dicked at the ref or whatever, <laughs> and everyone would be like, God, what a moron. But it'd be like the one time I'd be like... We all know who'd defend him, don't we? Oh, yeah. But it's, it's weird, because it's the one time I'd be like, I kind of like that. It's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the best thing you could do in an Arsenal shirt. Uh-huh. <laughs> Right, so um, next question is uh, for you, John. Uh, from Bald, no, it's not. It's uh, from Tone. When do you reckon the generational one will get sacked? Let me cover this a little bit. Uh, the generational one, Nicole. When do I think he'll get sacked? Uh, I think the club will give him the whole season unless it gets to... Unless it gets to like Christmas and we are, I mean, I don't even think we'd probably need to be bottom. If we're like well off, um, not necessarily like sixth or seventh, but like well off being in the race for one of those spots, then I think that's more likely. But I think everything that's come out from the club and the way they're trying to do the recruitment and everything else, it sounds like, and from other whispers I've heard from people and stuff, it sounds like they really want Arteta to do well and they really do believe in him. So I, I don't know. I, I can't see it happening, to be honest. If like, oh. 
even if I tell you what, even if we finished eighth again, I could honestly see them saying no. He's still got next season as well. From my Genuinely. point of view, if they're not thinking about it, then it's mm. catastrophic bad management. Mm. If they're not, you know, putting some sort of, you know, I preliminary don't... plan into place, <laughs> yeah. then it's just bad management. My my problem is is that. They probably it's probably gone through their head, but I don't think they've put anything in place in terms. No, you're probably right. I think yeah. what will save him is the blind faith they've got in him, and yeah, the fact that the people don't know how to run a football club is the problem. Yeah, I reckon to answer the same question, if it's not out of place, I think he's mm. gone by he's gone by December if we don't improve. Mm. If we have another you know period from November to December like we did last year, then he's gone. I reckon. They'll just they'll pull the plug. I think it will be too much for him to come back from. But again, I, like I said earlier, I worry about who they'd get as a replacement. Really, well, I mean, a club that employs a manager that's never managed a game before, you can't really trust them to employ the next person. Exactly. And a final one question. I'm going to pretend that Jock sent this one in because he he didn't. What's your favourite pudding? Starting starting with you, James. Well, I feel like I should uh, de-rogue to answer this question. <laughs> uh, I do like... It's very difficult to pinpoint one. I, I'm, uh, uh, I love jam roly-poly. I love a good apple crumble. I like a lemon posset. I like a good cheesecake. I do make an incredible banana and chocolate bread pudding. Um what do you do at work? What, what, what do you concentrate on or do you do everything? I do everything. I mean, oh. we do functions, we do regular, we do weddings, we do buffets, we do everything. And you do, you cook everything? Majority of things, yeah. I mean, if you know the industry at the moment, things like certain desserts, pastry, you just, no one makes them anymore. But um, to answer the question, if I think of, if you would say to me right now, what would I want for a dessert? And it, my preferences change quite consistently. I right now I would like cherry pie with clotted cream. Oh, John. Um, weirdly, my dad said to me the other day that I look like a fat version of that Fred Chef bloke from First Dates, <laughs> which I thought was was a really charming way to say hello to me after I, I got a picture of myself and my two sisters from my mother for her birthday. Um, sorry, it was food related, and I just remembered. Um, my favourite dessert, Danny, uh, is uh, your mum. Oh, if you heard the beginning of this podcast, that could well be on. <laughs> no, um, oh, only before we started recording. No, favourite dessert. I don't know. It's really tough. I, I'm not. I haven't got a massive sweet tooth, to be honest. Um, I'm more of a savoury kind of guy, but. Um, yeah, no, no, Stoke said one actually. I haven't had for years, and now I kind of want one. Jam Roly Poly, and I had one it's, for donkeys. Yeah. Oh, it's all, it's an old classic. It's one of my yeah. favourites. It's you don't see it anywhere nowadays. Yeah, I think it's because there's a suet pastry, and people don't really like to make it. But oh, it's good when it's done well. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. My one is pear crumble with done with brown sugar and vanilla custard. The white custard is it vanilla custard? Creme anglaise? No, none of that stuff. Just a uh, white custard rather than yellow. <laughs> none, none of that foreign, but None of that foreign. <laughs> Creme anglaise essentially is custard. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, that's what the French call it. 
Fucking hell. So yeah, my mum makes a lovely one, and so does Anna. But I can't have it during the winter because it's gluteny and it gives, makes me poorly. And handing the show back to Josh. Good luck with the end of this. What's your favourite one, Josh? Uh, mine would be a cartmel sticky toffee pudding. I expected you to say vanilla ice cream. Do you like uh, no, sticky toffee pudding, classically made with the dates in it? I will eat through the dates begrudgingly. See, I think I think you've got to have the dates in it. I love it with the dates in it. Oh, I thought yeah. Josh was going to say something with avocado because he's just younger than all of us. <laughs> no, I, if you want, me do you know to what? Add, do you know what you can make amazingly with avocado is brownies. Really, avocado yeah. brownies. Okay. Avocados and chocolate brownies. It, it's really, really good. Uh, no, but I would say it would be with a uh, lactose-free. Um, oh, for fuck's sake! Oh no, no. <laughs> uh, ice cream. Have you ever oh. ice cream? We have to have, um, in, in stock, we have to have vegan ice cream. And it's like perfume chalk. It's fucking dreadful. <laughs> the Swedish glass, glass is the best one. The only place uh, avocados belongs yeah. in the fucking bin. Our best analysis of the entire podcast has been on dessert. I see. I do like, um, I do like an avoc- <laughs> a bit of crushed avocado on toast with poached eggs. Mm. It's golden. Plenty of bit of salt on it because yeah. avocado's weird. It makes yeah. me feel sick now. I've got five bags of Walmart to eat in a minute. I like to smear avocados over your mother's breasts, actually. <laughs> That's a lot of avocados. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. Quick, quick, uh, Josh, I, end it. End it I, I was going to I was going to say, does anybody have any shout-outs? But to be fair, they're all going to be for John's mum. So uh, um, not yeah. John's mum. Well, <laughs> one for your mum, because uh, why not? You've already mentioned her, but definitely yeah. for Danny's mum. <laughs> She'll be glad to hear this. She'll be uh, wanting your phone numbers. <laughs> um, I, she's already got mine <laughs> I, I hate hate, I hate to bring the mood down um, but we should say um, it is uh, Antonio Reyes' birthday today, he would have been 38 today yeah, um, Arsenal put out some lovely tweets and some great pictures of him so yes um, um, amongst all the avocado breast smearing uh, breast smearing avocado I know what I meant um, we are thinking of uh, of Antonio. That's as well, so. no kind of age to go, isn't it? So, no, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, so if you are a really young, I don't know how old you'd have to be to have not seen him play. I'm trying to think now. Um, but if you've never seen him play, go watch some YouTubes of his stuff. He was amazing. He was brilliant. Especially when the weather was good. Oh, yes. He did like the sunshine, did our high zone. <laughs> but yeah, lovely little player. Um, so that would be, I guess, my one, the podcast one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'd second that. Uh, I think it's unanimous on that one. So I will say uh, thank you to the three guests that have been on this evening. Um, much for the four analysis. of you include Danny's mum. That's yeah, true. <laughs> you can see I'm her out of shots. I, I won't tell you which one of the uh, out of shots she's in. Uh, but let's just say John's got a big smile on his face. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you to John, thank you to Stokes, and uh, thank you to Danny. Well, thank you, Josh. Always, and thank me. And if you have been, thanks for listening. Goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>